The following program is recorded live and intended for all audiences. Coming this fall, the Barroom Network presents two fired up Bears fans. They are ready to rumble on the Bear Debate. It's Aldo Gandhi, and I just want to let you know really quickly that our swag shop is reopened. DeepDishTees.com is where you go, and that's tees with T-E-E-S. Clever name, guys. They're the new home of our merchandise. You can get t-shirts, you can get caps, you can get coffee mugs, you can get hoodies, you can get all sorts of good stuff, and you'll help out the bar room with the purchase. So head over to DeepDishTees.com. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Greg Gabriel Talks Football. And, Greg, we're going to get right into it because we have so much to talk about. My first question for you is who was the best quarterback at Soldier Field Sunday, Bears-Bengals? I'll repeat what Dan Pompey tweeted out maybe a half hour ago, Andy Dalton. You know, his experience showed. Uh, not, Andy Dalton's no all-pro, and I'm not going to sit here and say he is. But he's played the, the game for a long time. The one thing he does is he gets the ball out of his hands so damn quickly. And with a suspect offensive line that is getting a little better and should get better as they, they play together more, um, that's one of the things you got to do. And that's a big difference between Andy being in there and Justin being in there. And Justin has got great football in front of him. And he's going to have a great career. But that doesn't mean he's ready to play now and play at a high level. He can make some big plays, and he will make some big plays, but he's going to make a lot of mistakes too, like the, the, the horrible interception he had, the two illegal procedure counts, one that when the ball was inside the five-yard line, set him back, and that you know changed the whole play calling, and then the Bears had to kick a field goal. He had the fumble. So it's it's things like that. Now, people come back, well, you have those two drops. Yeah, the one was a little bit long. The one to Mooney was, was not far, maybe this much long, but it was a little bit long. The, the throw to A-Rob was absolutely perfect. It's all on A-Rob, the guy who wants 20-something million a year and dropped an easy throw. I mean, a, a guy, if you're, if you're going to be a 20 million a year receiver, you've got to make that catch. So – Am I wrong or was I wrong when I said that NFL quarterbacks, rookie quarterbacks are ready to play in the NFL quicker than ever before because 
the pro game has started to adapt the college game into their schemes. There's some truth to that, but the they still haven't played pro defenses. And you go back, and let, let, let's just look at yesterday. Pick number one, Lawrence. He threw one interception, gave one. He threw two interceptions yesterday, and they're over two. And I think he was like 14 out of 31 or something yesterday. Not too good. Pick number two, Mr. Zach Wilson. Four interceptions yesterday. Okay. There's a reason why you don't want to play some of these guys. And that's why you still want to try to win the game. Okay. And and I get some people say, well, you're going to hurry up the learning curve if he plays. That's not necessarily true. You're into the game. If you're listening to the, to the play calls and you're watching the game and you're mentally going through that play as it takes place, you are learning a lot. And on top of that, you're learning during the week. You know, we talked about that a couple of weeks ago as being the, uh, um, the scout team quarterback. He's going against the damn good Bears defense and the game plan that they're going to use for the upcoming opponent every day in practice. And that's invaluable to him. 4,000 Clover says, but Greg, don't you think that you learn from rookie mistakes by throwing them into the fire? Uh, I, I can say that there's no doubt that Justin Fields learned a lot yesterday, but it was no painful at times, right? Yeah, no, he, 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 had, he had some great throws. He had some really good plays. That play where he broke the tackle and got the first down, that was a huge play. Mm-hmm. And very good. And if he doesn't have this, the strength that he has and that speed, he doesn't make that play. Mm-hmm. Last night, though, I had a guy try to tell me that that uh, uh, Andy Dalton couldn't make that throw that A-Rob dropped in the end zone. Are you fucking kidding me? That's a 35-yard throw. There's not a quarterback in the league that couldn't make that throw. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a it's a very uh, I I totally agree with you. There's Dalton. Well, let's take a look at uh, some of the highlights from Dalton's first series. I think I loaded them up here. Uh, where the heck are them? But first, let me let, let me show you this Fields early completion that you know he, he comes out early and and he does a good job. Uh, this is uh, early in the uh, second quarter, I believe. It's it's just a nice throw. It's yeah, on time. Everything yeah. about it is correct. He's got great protection, by the way. <laughs> that is nice. No, the, the line, overall, the line played pretty good. Mm-hmm. Did they have some breakdowns? Yeah. Every line in the league is going to have some breakdowns during the course of the game. Mm-hmm. Nobody has a perfect game. And and I know you're not a big fan of pro football focus. But no, I think when it comes to grading football players, they're the absolute worst. <laughs> they are. <laughs> Especially the game the game thing, they're, they're, they're awful. Why anybody wants to waste five seconds looking at that? They put up those grades before pro coaches even get a chance to be a third done. <laughs> and yet they're and and you know their livelihood is that, but yeah, they got the grades up. Oh, this guy played a great game. I've seen that they got grades up a couple hours after day. That's physically impossible. Yeah, <laughs> this is very true. It is it, it is ridiculous. And I've had a, I've had a grade positions after you. I know how long it takes, and, <laughs> and I know how tedious a job it is. Yeah. And with an offensive line, you got to grade all five guys on every single play, which means you got to watch 
each play five times. Right. And now they've amended how they present those grades immediately after the game. They say are preliminary grades. Yeah, because you've gotten so much crap over the years and, and nobody believes your grades. It's well, you know what? They, I, I had a friend that, that did some work for them. Mm -hmm. And look, I guess for the fans, you know, they're good. But don't try to tell me they're accurate because they're not even close to being accurate. Mm -hmm. In fact, go, I'll go back a few years. Phil Emery, who was trying to fool the press in a press conference, you know, they were they were signing somebody and he goes, well, pro football focus had him as the second best tackle in the AFC or whatever it was. The, year war. the guy stunk. He was terrible. But he was trying to use something to back what he had done. Mm -hmm. So, yep. so he used their stat. Yeah. So, what are your thoughts? Let's let's listen to this exchange between Brad Biggs and uh, Matt Nagy earlier today, Monday's press conference. If Andy's healthy, is he your starter? If Andy is healthy, is he your starter? Uh, that's something that I'm not going to get into with scheme. That's not scheme. Of course, of course, it is. That that's that's a hundred percent scheme, Brad. What do you think about that? Well, you know, I think w what was going on there, and then, you know, five minutes after that presser ended, they sent a PR guy out there and said, Andy Dalton's a starter mm -hmm. if he's healthy. I think that at this time, they don't know if Andy Dalton's going to play. And he did not want to. And, and where Nagy is right when he says scheme, is the offense going to change with? Fields in there versus Andy Dalton. They're going to be mm -hmm. doing different things. And because they have different skill sets. And one of the big things is getting the ball out of his hands. And let me grab my football here. We've done this before. Yeah, but this is awesome. I love this. <laughs> this is why video is so good. <laughs> the, um, you know, when, when Andy's a quarterback, he gets the snap, boom, balls out of his hand real, real quick. He, okay, where, where Justin has a lot slower release, he gets the ball, he goes back, he drops the ball down like that, if you can see that, then yep. comes up over the top. That takes time. And he, mm -hmm. can't, he doesn't get the ball out of his hand from a physical standpoint anywhere near as quick as Andy does. Yeah. That can make the difference between a completion or an interception, say, mm -hmm. because it gives the, uh, an experienced DV time to drive on the ball now i thought i think he's gotten better with that he's tightened it up but he still has it okay yeah. and, and part of it is is really it might take another year to totally get rid of that i thought what i've been seeing out of that release is that he doesn't have the long loop on every throw it seems like on some throws it's a long loop and then some some throws it's much more compact i don't know if that's a result of learning how to throw the ball better or a result of the situation how long he's throwing the ball i haven't studied it in depth to make an opinion on that but when, when, when he when he throws on the run mm -hmm. that isn't there he's throwing uh, boom okay and, and so I, you know a lot of it's habit and it's hard to break habit if you've been doing something for a long time. You can know that you're doing it, and it's not totally right. Mm -hmm. And and there are other quarterbacks in the league that do it, but his is his is pretty big. I want if you want to call it a hitch at the top of his delivery, mm -hmm. but his is bigger than a lot of guys. Um, Dalton, I'm sorry. Go ahead, please. No, but I mean, but but Dalton and and 
I never studied Dalton a real lot until obviously he's here now. But that's one thing. I mean, he has got an extremely quick release. Doesn't have the strong arm. Can't do things, you know, can't do things with his feet that Justin can do. But he's also got experience. He knows what he's seeing. And, you know, what Justin will do is he'll hold on to the ball a little bit too long. Or he might wait a little bit too long before he, he decides to make a throw because he's not a hundred percent sure of himself. And that's all going to come with experience. Mm-hmm. And so some people will say right now, well, yeah, if he keeps playing, that'll come faster. There's truth to that, but you can also see it from the sidelines mm-hmm. and in practice because he's got it when he's in practice against the bears defense, he's got to get the ball out of his hands quick there. His sole purpose is to beat them and to make it real tough during the week on the Bears' defense by simulating the other team's quarterback. And I want to underline here that Greg is not saying Justin Fields is never going to be a great quarterback or a good quarterback or whatever. He's just evaluating what is happening right now with these two quarterbacks, Andy Dalton and Justin Fields. And that, you know, that to me makes total sense, everything no, that you said. I, I tweeted after, after the game, I said that – Talk radio in Chicago is going to have to change your narrative after today because it was obvious that Andy Dalton's the the, the better quarterback right now. Yeah, and, and then, I'm not taking. And you're right. I'm not taking a thing away from Justin Fields. I want him to be great, just like everybody else does. Mm-hmm. But the coaching staff and the front office they want the Bears to win too. And and I agree with Matt. Who gives us the best chance to win today? And that right now is Andy. In two yep. weeks, could that change? Yes. Yep. There was somebody uh, from the radio broadcast community, uh, a good, very good broadcaster, but whose opinion I rarely agree with, who said that Matt Nagy, he tweeted this out during Matt Nagy's post-game press conference. He tweeted out, Matt Nagy should immediately announce that Justin Fields is going to be the starter next week. And I said to myself, why would you do that to give away the competitive advantage? That's to- right. <laughs> it just doesn't make sense to me. Okay. As we said off air before we started this, <laughs> none of us know right now what the injury is. Now I'll tell you what, what's confusing. Originally I thought it was an ACL, but he came back into play mm-hmm. and he was running on the sideline. I knew right away it wasn't an ACL. But then he was standing on the sideline and he's kind of pointing to the outside of his left knee, the LCL. And when you see the slow motion of the replay, his left leg buckled a little bit. Okay, but now if you look at uh, uh, Rappaport's tweet, you know, he said after the game that it was a bone bruise. How is it a bone bruise? He didn't get hit. Mm-hmm. Did you see him get? I'm I'm asking a serious question. Did you see him get hit? He made it. I didn't see him get hit. I right. mean, he went down. It, it, could he have bruised his the side of his leg when he went down? Maybe, but you know, his leg kind of buckled, and that I I don't see how that's a bruise. I think it's an LCL strain myself. Um, you know how long that sets a guy back might not set him back at all. But I think that regardless if he's ready or not to go Wednesday, 
you're going to see the injury designation is limited. Because if he comes out and he goes through the walkthrough part, he's limited. This is the stubbornness that uh, we, we face here. You guys can F around and trick yourselves. If you want, I'm done. He doesn't want to listen to the show anymore because we're saying stuff that is our evaluation. This is Greg, really, and I'm just uh, echoing my little opinions here. But Greg is offering an opinion. If you don't want to hear it, then, yeah, you should be done. Goodbye, Earl, and uh, maybe you'll uh, we'll catch you on another show. And if not, have a nice life. <laughs> now, uh, people are saying something in defense of Justin Fields that I totally agree with is that he has not had the reps with number one in practice. And so he could go out there next Sunday if he's the starter uh, and play brilliantly against Cleveland because he would have had a full week of preparation with the starters, a full week of going through all the meetings as a starter. So is that a valid point, Greg? Well, the meetings are going to be the same whether he's a starter or non-starter. True point. So there's, there's no difference there. Yeah. He is getting, regardless of what people want to think, he is getting the backup reps with the team. It might only be 20% or 15% of the reps because that's the way things are done in the NFL, but he is getting some reps with the offensive side of the ball. He's getting more reps and, and reps that are going to help him by being – by handling the scout team too. And if, and you, you've got to see a in-season NFL practice to understand what I'm saying. And I've been to literally thousands of them and you know, the number of reps he's getting as a scout team quarterback is so valuable to him because of, 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 you know, he's got to make reactions. His, I, I said just a couple minutes ago, so I'm repeat repeating myself a little bit. His job is to try to beat the defense mm -hmm. in, in those practices. It's not like they want him to stink and, and, and throw bad throws. He wants to beat them. And, mm -hmm. and you know what? The better he does than that, that means the better he will play on a Sunday when he has to play. Now, going into the week, if he gets some reps, first of all, the game plan will change because the game plan is going to be and, and the coaching staff's going to know this, but the, you know, right now, or not right now, they might know it by this later this afternoon that if, if, if Andy's got a 0% chance, a 25% chance, a 50% chance of playing. Okay. So they're going to adopt the day plan. They might have to put two plans together. Mm -hmm. If he's 50, 50, they might, and, and going to not going to be in practice much this week, then you might have to put together, two separate game plans and, and one for when Justin's in the game and one for when Nandy's in the game. And it's, I'm going to tell you right now, it's going to be totally different because they're going to play to the skill set of the guy that's in there. You're going to probably see more boots and more rollouts and, and some, uh, uh, you know, action off the, the run game with Justin, uh, the RPO type game things. And, and you're not going to see that with Andy. Yep. Uh, Bill Lazor at last week's press conference said that the way they scheme against an upcoming opponent, the very first thing they uh, talk about is what do we do best? And so it's it's obvious that there are certain things that uh, Fields can do better than Dalton, and there's a lot of things that Dalton can do better than Fields. Let me show you some highlights of Andy Dalton's first series I thought it was a brilliant first series. He was accurate. He he was he was uh, 
uh, aware of the pocket, uh, moving out of the pocket when under pressure. I thought it was outstanding. Yeah, no, and he got he got the ball out of his hand. He sees the field. Uh, he steps up in the pocket, gets the ball out. Uh, you know, things like that were, 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 were just terrific. That throw, that was a great throw there to A-Rod. It was a he super- caught that one. He should have caught the other one. Yep. Can the Bears – now, there's progression on the part of both quarterbacks, right? <laughs> because yeah. Andy, Andy Dalton didn't see a preseason work. He's new to the team, new to the playbook, and so forth. It's it's not outlandish to think that Andy Dalton could get better and better from week to week. Now we know his we know his portfolio of work. We don't expect him to be to throw for five thousand yards. He's never done that in a season, but he can be better in this system from week to week if he is announced the starter and continues to start for the next. Well, and, and he's got to have the protection. There's no question about that. Uh, and I thought the protection did get better. I mean, there was. Always a little, not always. There were some breakdowns. Daniels had a breakdown once, you know, got got, got beaten by a quick move and got pressure up the middle. And uh, I tell you, the guy looked pretty darn strong, though. Jason Peters played a good football game because I watched the game over again this morning. And there's one play, and, and uh, in fact, the, the, that the set that play was on Twitter where he's in pass throw and he punches the guy, and the guy just went flying. Mm-hmm. He mm-hmm. pancaked the guy with the punch. Uh, but overall, his I thought his play was was, was strong. Uh, Mustafer got beat once in, in, in pass pro, gave up a sack. Um, I, I use Parcells' old old terminology or phrase. He goes, "Those guys are on scholarship too." Hmm? You know, <laughs> they're pretty good. So they, they uh, Oops, sorry. they're they're going to win some plays. Mm-hmm. And the, the key is you got to win more than them. I had a coach when I was playing in, in, in college. He said, you're going to get beat. I just want you to win 52% of the plays. Mm-hmm. If you win 52%, we're going to win the game. Mm. There you go. Um, I, 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 for one, am uh, really happy with the quarterback situation. I want Justin Fields to be the starter. I want him to be the starter as quickly as possible. I would love to see him play against the Cleveland Browns, but at the same time. Because you're going to the game. Because I'm going to the game. (laughs) (laughs) But also, I want Andy Dalton to be the best quarterback he's ever been in his career. And I, 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 I don't get the internal fighting among Bears fans you know, booing Andy Dalton, dissing him just because they want Justin Fields to be the quarterback. I understand, you know, you're, you want the new guy to do well and get in there as quickly as possible, but whoever is in there Sunday, I'm going to be rooting for at a hundred percent. I I don't know. I'll just say this, (coughs) excuse me. (coughs) As I said off the air, this is a bad allergy. Yeah, I got it too. So, Cleveland's a darn tough place to play at. I've been to that stadium several times. They got rabid fans. It's very loud. Their defense is probably the best defense they've had in the last 15 years. And they're going to make it really hard for whoever the quarterback is. And what I don't want to see happen, and yesterday Patriots game, excuse me, against the Jets Mm -hmm. is a perfect example. Games like that can ruin a kid. 
throw four interceptions like that. And that's why you want to protect these guys when they're young. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and, and let them learn so that they're playing with confidence because okay, nobody knows how Zach, you know, I'm not inside Zach Wilson's head. I don't know how he's going to respond. He may come back pretty strong from the adversity that he faced yesterday, but he may go in the tank too. Mm-hmm. And more often than not, you have a tendency to go in the tank because now you start thinking too much mm-hmm. instead of reacting and using your instincts. And that slows the game down even that, – that slows things down for you uh, because you're just not being instinctive and making quick decisions. You're, you're going to wait till the guy is too open. And by that time, it's going to be too late. It's one of the things Matt Nagy talked about at Monday's press conference about what are the challenges regarding play calling for Justin Fields. What happens is as a play caller is you try to you try to go to some of the stuff that you know that he knows where the bones are buried, you know, in, in the play. And so uh, you want to be able to help him out that way. But at the same point in time, it's your job as a backup to make sure that you know the entire call sheet inside out, which, which he did and he does. Uh, and I know Coach Flip has done a phenomenal job at working with him and getting him prepared. And so there was really the whole play sheet, call sheet was open, but there's just a feel to where it's going and how it's going with the shifts and motions. He also went on to say that you want Justin to play fast. You don't want him thinking out there so that right. if he is the starter, they're going to pick plays where they know he can he can play fast and not be overthinking. Right. Now, I'm going to say this, basically, because I watched that, that whole presser mm-hmm. when, it, when it came out. And reading between the lines, and I'm guessing I'm throwing a dart at the wall here. But I'm just reading between the lines. And you saw some of it in that little clip you just played there. Fields is starting this week. That's my guess. Because yeah. Andy can't. Mm. Okay. And and again, I'm I'm guessing. I don't know that for certain. But if you you play the whole thing over and you listen to how he talks, mm-hmm. he is and and how he's addressing things in regards to Justin Fields. It's in the now. It's mm-hmm. not in the future. Right. Well, and it's interesting that last week, Bill Lazor, when he met with the media on Thursday, said that Justin Fields is ready for anything. He is, uh, since the end of training camp, he felt he was ready. And so the media and fans, I, I think uh, uh, rightfully so, made a big thing out of that because it sounded like Lazor was endorsing Fields to be the number one quarterback over Andy Dalton. Now he didn't say that, but it did sound like he's well, ready. Well, to you, can, you, you can make that argument all the time, you know. I mean, and and that's fine. A part of that is he's trying to build up fields yeah, and build point. up this confidence. Yeah, you know, positive reinforcement. Yeah. Uh, Earl has. What a do you question. want him to say? Do you want him to say, sit there and say, "Oh, he sucks and he can't play"? No. <laughs> Earl says, do you think we will see Nagy offense come to life by the end of this season or in 2025? I'll let you handle that. <laughs> Maybe well, never. You know, I, I, I thought that before Andy got, I mean, look at the worry when he got hurt, they're moving the ball. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then you put in a different quarterback and, and things got a stall, and then you go back to Andy, and he really, you could tell he was struggling. And 
you know, he didn't have, he couldn't step into the throws like he, he wanted to. So it, it, that hurt things a little bit. Chubbs uh, is not happy with Matt Nagy. <laughs> yeah, no way now. Okay, so fine. If he doesn't want to be happy with him, that's fine. But how about in the second half, you got three turnovers in a row by, or four turnovers really in a row by, by uh, Cincinnati. And we'll, we didn't get a whole lot of points out of that. You know, you got, you got a touchdown on, on uh, Roquan's pick six, and then you got field goals out of the other stuff. And, and it's why, well, there's mistakes being made. Yep. And those mistakes, did Matt Nagy have an illegal procedure on himself? No, but Justin Fields did. And one was when they were on the three-yard line. Mm -hmm. There a lot of criticism in the chat room regarding Matt Nagy's play calling. Um, I, I'm always of the opinion that, you know, play calling gets a lot better when the players execute the plays that are being called. Hey, yeah, when a play works, it's great. And when the play doesn't work, it sucks. I mean, yeah. <laughs> That's been Call going on since the beginning of time. Right. Call a jet sweep inside the five-yard line. If it doesn't work, it's the worst play call in the world. If it and works, if it's a touchdown, wow. it was the greatest play. All right. And I've seen jet sweeps inside the five-yard line work for a lot of teams. Now, and they you know, I just I, I, Sorry to interrupt you. I just want to no. go back. But it, in the red zone, there's a play. Of, so it was going from, from right to left. And um, Fields is in a quarterback. And he throws, I think, to A-Rob to the left side of the end zone. It's broken up. On third down, they got to kick the field goal. There was two guys wide open on the right, right side of the field. Mm -hmm. Montgomery for the, for the swing pass and Graham coming across underneath. Graham came across from the, from the left side of the line, came across the formation, and nobody was in the five yards of him. Mm -hmm. And then yeah. Montgomery, and, and there was a, like a, a defender here, defender here. Graham's in between and Mon and Montgomery's off to the right. So he had his choice. He could mm -hmm. even, it, it, even if he faked it, but he didn't even look, he was looking left the whole time. Mm -hmm. If he looks to his right, he sees that he's got a touchdown with grammar. He's got a touchdown with Montgomery. And, and again, that's experience Absolutely. and no, he'll see it. He'll see it when he, when he watches the film today mm -hmm. and they'll go through and they go, see this. And that that will help him. So next week or the week after, when he gets into a situation like that, he'll remember. Oh yeah, we called this play, and this guy was open coming across. Chubbs makes a good point here. Um, I think he says that the buck stops with the head coach. He is a reflection of his undisciplined uh, players. And on the Bears' second series. The Bears had three penalties on them on that series. There was a penalty on um, Ifidi. There was a penalty. Uh, I have it here in my notes. Uh, I, I don't want to misrepresent, but there was a penalty on a false start on Ifidi. A penalty on holding on Marquise Goodwin that halted a Mon Montgomery thirty-six yard pass play, and there was the James Daniels holding. Those undisciplined plays cost the Bears points. And so that is a reflection on Matt Nagy. Agree or disagree? No, I, I, he's not the guy making the play. He's not the guy out on the field. And I, I thought the call on Goodwin was a little cheesy. I, I agree. You know, it, it, 
the other ones, you know, they were good calls. The uh, call on Komet, I didn't like the push off. You know, the, the offensive pass interference. Well, first of all, he, he, his slight push off was right after he came off the line of scrimmage and he's allowed to do that. That was within five yards of the line of scrimmage. Yeah. He's allowed to do that. Just like the guys, the, the defendants are the defendant, the defender is I've been doing too much court work. <laughs> the, <laughs> the defender's allowed to jam him. He's allowed to, to push off when he's getting jammed. That was but it was it was it was you know seconds before the pass was even thrown. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I I didn't see that as as a pass interference. The other one was because I thought Quinn played a pretty good game. Mm-hmm. The the um, out of the what are that personal foul for late hit or out of bounds on Quinn? Yes, that was bullshit if I've ever seen one. Why is that, that quarterback? Quarterback, watch, watch the play. Quinn turns ahead; he's not even looking, mm-hmm. and the Bengals quarterback looks over, sees it, and steps over to him and goes down. Mm-hmm. It was really the contact was initiated by the Bengals quarterback, yeah, Burrow, by Joe Burrow, and then he goes down taking a dive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that-, that was a, that was a, a, an Oscar winner. <laughs> I, I thought it was a veteran play by Joe Burrow. I mean, a really a smart play. Yeah, it was, but, I mean, but there, there was no intentional hit. Absolutely. And, 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 and Quinn was, was, he was easing up and he turned away from the play. Like, and, and it was actually like a, a split second after he turned away, his head turned away, that contact is made. If you're going to make contact and you mean to do it, you're going to be looking at what you're hitting. Mm-hmm. I want to press you a little bit more on this last topic because 4,000 Clover says lack of discipline, lack of preparation, poor performance rests with leadership. It's ultimately the implementation of their philosophy style that leads to this undisciplined action by the players. What do you think? I, I, I don't agree with that. I, as long as I've been working in this business, mental mistakes are on players. Mm-hmm. They're getting paid not to make mental mistakes. They're getting paid not to have an, a, a, an illegal procedure penalty. They're getting paid not to hold. I, I I can't agree with statements like that. The argument could be made that the coach is paid to make sure, and those assistant coaches and, and coordinators are paid to make sure players don't make mis- those mistakes. Are you going to tell me that when they go through practice, they don't go over that stuff every day? <laughs> no one knows. That's what they do. That's what practice is for. (laughs) All right, let's move on. Let's talk about this defense because they had a heck of a day. And I just want to – I want to uh, give a shout out to uh, Sean Desai, the defensive coordinator who caught a lot of heat from Bears fans after the performance in Los Angeles. And Nagy gave some praise to Desai at today's press conference. And I, his resiliency of, of handling the adversity of that first game, being out there on a Sunday night and, and having that happen with our defense. And he never, he never wavered. He never panicked. He was the same, which I think is that's the key is when you're the same person. When things are really good or things are really bad, how how do you handle that? You know, when the, when the storm hits, and uh, he stayed calm, and and even when we were doing pretty well yesterday, he still was calm, 
And so that's why, uh, that's why we gave him the game ball yesterday. Your thoughts on Sean Desai and the Bears defense? Well, let's go back a week. And there was some obvious breakdowns in the secondary. Okay, that gave, cost some big plays. Now, was it play calling on Sean's part or was it the players? Well, we're never going to know 100% for sure, but my guess is the players blew the coverages. Okay, now could there have been a, 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 the wrong defensive conceptualization of, the, of, of a play or, or what they should have been in in a particular down and distance? Maybe, but still there was blown coverages. And I think on both of those big plays, it was on the safeties. It was not on, you know, somebody tried to say it was on Marquis Christian. I, I just, just judging from the, it could have been yes, but judging from the way he reacted on that one particular play, it's like he's in zone, he's in underneath zone, and he's passing the guy off, and he's looking like, where's my guy? Right, right. You know? Right. And and so it looks like he's getting beat badly mm-hmm. when he's supposed to have over the top help. Yeah. Well, and that stuff. I hate to I hate to bring this up, but I'm going to. That stuff could be easily explained by the uh, coach's press conference, but he doesn't want to put players out for criticism. Right. And so why? Gonna get, we said this last week. Yeah. Although they. they they're going to get the players in the meeting room and they're going to point out where he made a mistake. Hey, what the hell are you thinking? Mm -hmm. You know, and, and go on from that. And that's how you make the correction, but you're not going to throw them under the bus to the media or to the fans in the heat of the moment. Some might, very few do. If you're not following Greg Gabriel on Twitter, then you're doing a disservice to your football knowledge. One of the many great tweets he sent out yesterday was he reminded us that Mario Edwards is coming back this week. And so I ask you, Greg, what can Mario Edwards add to this Bears defense? Uh, fresh legs and uh, another. Mario was playing pretty good football last year. That was a good signing last year. Mm-hmm. Played good football. I played the best football of his career. Okay, and, and he's a guy that you can get in there for 20 snaps a game. He can create pressure as a pass rusher. He plays strong against the run. He can play the five. He can't really play the nose, but he can be. he's an interior pass rusher in your sub package. Uh, he can be outside it, when you're going with a three-man front. You know, so he, he can do a lot of different things, uh, and he puts another very viable person in the rotation – which keeps everybody else fresher. Mm-hmm. Yep. And if you get Eddie Goldman back, then you're going to have two fresh people in there. Mm-hmm. I thought uh, the secondary generally had a good day. Uh, uh, we saw Eddie Jackson force a fumble, but the play was not a hundred percent. Can you judge? Uh, can you evaluate the play of? Tashawn Gibson and Eddie Jackson and the two cornerbacks or three cornerbacks uh, for us, please. The, well, I, I, I thought Johnson had a hell of a game. You know, he has some breakups. He has an interception. Uh, his man coverage, his transition is excellent. Uh, Vildor got beat once. He got beat at the line of scrimmage. 
by the Bengals rookie receiver. You could see it because I kept playing that play over and it made a, a good move off the line of scrimmage. And so right on the turn, he got beat. That play was over. It's a bad play on his part. But again, he's he's going to learn from that. Overall, I think Kendall Vildor, he had some big plays yesterday too as far as pass breakups and stuff. Mm-hmm. He's just going to keep getting better as as he gets more play time. And, you know, I thought the safety play was a lot better than it had been. That was a good play. That was one of the plays by Vildor right there. Yep. You know, he, he jumped that route. But if you've got that long touchdown and you got the wide angle of it, it in the, uh, I think, was it the third quarter when, when the Bengals got that uh, long touchdown, he right. gets beat right off the line of scrimmage. Yes, yes. And it, to- it was, and it was, and it's going to happen. I don't care. It happened to Kyle Fuller. It can happen to everybody. Mm-hmm. You want it to happen. You don't want it to happen too often, but it can happen. Mm-hmm. Um, what about the the play of the line, the defensive line? Give uh, give us what you thought of uh, everything. The defense. I mean, I haven't gone through every play. Every you sure. Know, the I, I I thought the defensive line played really strong, and mm-hmm. and you got to and they played the run well. And still, you don't have Eddie in there. And now you got the big guy, uh, Blackman, gets the interception. It was a hell of a play by him. It was a tip ball, but still, he he was there. And he was in the right position. He didn't drop the ball. You know, first Pressure up the middle. Pressure up the middle. I'm sorry. Let me uh, get rid of that audio. First down. Pressure up the middle. He's hitting it. This is the Blackson uh, intercept. But he, you know, he, he was aware of where the ball was. He caught mm-hmm. it, brought it in. Yeah, show a little run skill there. <laughs> yeah. Moving move to red zone fullback now. <laughs> Thankfully, he wasn't called for taunting, which is one of our other topics on the board. Well, Matt Nagy did talk about the taunting, and uh, he said he kind of he agrees with the rule, and uh, he went on to say this: It has to be on your own sideline. You can't do it to the other team, and you're seeing it throughout the league right now. Is there? There's a there, there's an emphasis on it, and you got to be careful. And so, yeah, you can still have the swag, but if you're going to do it, you're going to have fun. You're going to clap, clap to your teammate. You can't do anything to the other the other side. And uh, I think the only way to make sure that that happens is just over, just keep talking about more and more and more with your guys because they will call it. What do you think about the rule? I, I don't like the rule because it's taking some instantaneous emotion mm-hmm. out, but some players are talkers. Okay. And if you want to show an example of taunting, I think that Gibson basically, to, you know, what was he saying besides clapping? Yeah. Okay, now, if, if he was just clapping and didn't say a thing, I don't know if I like the penalty. But if he's clapping and saying stuff, mm-hmm. leaning over the guy, like you can't drop because, you know, you, you, it was Chase, and he said, you know, you, he had a lot of drops in the preseason. So is he saying, yeah, you still can't catch the ball, you, you know, and, and shit like that, just talking a lot of shit, then they're going to throw the flag. I Again, I, I don't really like it. Because I like the emotion on the field, but 
Matt's right too. If 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 the league is saying we're going to make an emphasis of this and we're going to do it, usually when they do that, it's in the preseason because we talked about that a few weeks ago. And then once the season starts, you know they they kind of put it, you know, push it by the wayside, so to speak. But this year they've been calling it, and I've seen it called a lot so far in the first two weeks. Oh my goodness, it's it's an epidemic of uh, of taunting. Yeah. Now they still may back off. Yeah. Just to, because, okay, we've made our point. Now we're going to back off. Yeah. Now, you know, and I grew up watching Dick Butkus taunting players before the game started. And that would psych himself up. I mean, Dick Butkus is on record of saying that I would look across the sideline and if I, I would spot a player smiling, I would come up with in my mind that they were talking about me, that they were talking about my mother. That's the way he psyched himself up. Lawrence Taylor is, is another guy. I mean, taunting was a big part of his game. And if you're going to take that away, isn't that like ridiculous i understand the hits to the head and player safety but the taunting stuff that to me i don't i don't it doesn't make sense to me i spent eight or nine years with lt so i i know <laughs> lt's game very very well uh and and the best the best yeah. there ever was at that position i would, yeah, he, would I, he be I, the same player if he was not allowed to taunt players um yeah i mean he he would yell from the sideline. He'd say some shit during a game, yeah. but he wasn't that bad. But I'll tell you what, they should they should mic up the line of scrimmage and and listen to the stuff just when they're coming to the line because <laughs> there's a lot of talking going on. Yes, and it's not nice. Yeah, okay. I, we got a family show here. And <laughs> we, you know, broke so we can't we can't talk, but some of the shit that the offensive linemen say to the defensive line and vice versa, just when they're at the line of scrimmage, is uh, you know that that's I don't want to call it taunting, but right. part of it's just trying to to gain an edge or piss off the other guy a little bit. Four thousand Clovers wants to know about the uh, allegation that LT paid for prostitutes to visit the opposing team's running backs at their hotel the night before the game. Got any inside? I I have never heard that until he just said that right now. Really? Yeah, it's gone around a little bit. (laughs) I think he also paid for. No, I I shouldn't say that. LT LT did a lot of things, but uh, I, I, I never, never saw that one. Uh, that is great. All right. Overall uh, impressions of the game. Um, I want to get from you before we start to talk a little bit about your experience uh, watching Notre Dame and uh, looking forward to next week. So uh, overall impressions, if, if as a scout, you have guys uh, as the head of the scouting department, you have guys who evaluate the entire team's performance i mean you're in the internal team correct the the pro department well but but let me let let's correct that just a little bit okay first thing they do now now, you know you don't have to wait for film to be developed like when when i started the league Mm -hmm. that stuff when you're on a road game you can watch the tape of the game on the plane that's great you know because it's all digitized Mm -hmm. but most cases Coaches get in early on Monday morning and they start breaking down the tape of their position. It's the very first thing they do. Now, could they have done it last night or a lot of it last night? Sure. Yeah, I mean, that's that's going to be 
up to the coach, up to the individual coach. A lot of times after a home game, you know, Sunday night's off, win or lose. But some coaches, you know, if their family's not here or whatever, they're going to go there. The one thing about coaches, they're all grinders. Mm-hmm. And, and they're used to working long hours. So it wouldn't shock me if half the staff was in there last night already starting to grade their players. But they're going to do that first. It takes time. And you've got to go through every play that every player played. And then the special teams guys got to go through each and every special, you know, they got to look at 11 players on each individual special teams play and then put a grade on, on each one of those things. Okay. And I, I started to say that with, you know, and, and we got onto another subject with the PFF grades. A lot of times and from a guy that, that, used to do some evaluating for them that told me this, like, let's say a run play goes to the left. They're not even grading the guy in the right. Mm-hmm. They're grading the, you know, they're, they're playing, they're grading the guys that, that, you know, or where the ball or part of the play. Okay. Well, how is that? How do you get a correct grade that way? Because the, the guy on the, on, on the opposite side of the field, he's got to, he's got to do something right or wrong too. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Now, in terms of looking at the tape, there are, of course, exceptions to that. Like, for instance, Cole Komet asked to watch tape with Matt Nagy. And so, you know, what you just described is the protocol that happens week to week to week. From time to time, you know, I, I remember one of my first experiences as a fan was Jim Dooley, the Bears head coach. He moved in with quarterback Bobby Douglas so that they could look at film throughout the week because he was giving them a crash course on, uh, on on learning how to play quarterback at the NFL level. So there are, there are always tiny exceptions, but what you described is the general protocol, correct? Right. Well, yeah. you're, you're, you're going to first – you know, we kind of broke that off. The first thing you're going to do is going to grade your position group. Mm-hmm. Coordinator grade the offense as a whole, the defense as a whole. Then after that, I mean, you're meeting with the whole coaching staff and then and you're basically breaking down what was good, what was bad about the particular game. Then you're bringing in the players. Now, a lot of times... It's Monday. It's Victory Monday, so the players don't even have to come in. Okay, you give them Monday off, so they have Monday and Tuesday off, and you're really not getting the players until Wednesday unless the guy's coming in on his own. And if he's coming in on his own, and you want to grab him and bring him upstairs and review some stuff, more power to you. But starting Monday afternoon, you're pushing yesterday's game back on the back burner and you're got all focus on next week's game mm-hmm. and your your quality control guys the assistant assistants guys like that they've already they're they're already working like a week ahead so you know like last week those guys were working on cleveland right this week there were who's next week detroit detroit yeah. Okay. This week they're working on Detroit and they're already, so they're trying to help the lead assistant and the coordinators get a, you know, a step up by being that, that week ahead. 
But now, okay, but now you start breaking down and, and, and the way they do that is, you know, like Juan Castillo will be looking at Cleveland's defense saying, I think this is what we got to do with the run game. So when you get together as an offensive group, offensive coaching group, you know, you're saying, okay, look at in the run game, I think we can do this. I don't think we can do this because of that, you know, because of a certain thing that they do. Um, they show a weakness here. And then you, and you, you got the same thing with every position group, you know, as far as what you think you can do, what you got to stay away from. All right. So uh, before we get off the topic of the Bears, let's say Andy Dalton is ready to go. His knee injury is just going to take a couple of days of rest. Who's your starting quarterback? I'm going to ask you to play uh, head coach. Who's your starting quarterback next week? Matt answered the question on the afterthought when he sent the PR guy in. <laughs> He's ready to go. Andy Dalton's the quarterback. All right. There you have it. If I'm going to, if, if, if I'd rather start Andy against Cleveland than Justin, because I know how tough that game's going to be on the road in that stadium. I just, you know, I want every opportunity to win. If he can't go, go with the rookie and, and, and adjust the game plan accordingly and, and hope for the best. But uh, the next week against Detroit, I, I think Detroit still sucks. So, <laughs> I love it. All right. A quick, quick question for you. Do you think there is value with what the defense showed against the Bengals? Or do you, are you still skeptical about certain things regarding the Bears defense? I thought their defense played great yesterday. You know, so you, you want to, you want to grow, grow from that. You know, they did not play good in the opening week, but they came back and played very well. Bengals put points on the board and a lot of yards last week against Minnesota. And, and the Bears defense cut them down. They, they sacked uh, Joe Burrow, what, four times? Or was it five? Uh, four. Okay, no, four. five, 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 five. Yeah. Okay, five sacks, three interceptions, one other turnover. What the hell? You, you can't ask for more than that. There you go. All right. Want to talk about um, – your experience watching Notre Dame against Purdue, what did you see? What did you like? What didn't you like? Um, good game. Purdue is – I haven't seen Purdue in a while. We used to mm-hmm. call them Purdue. They um, – <laughs> That came from, That's good. The, the, the Midwest scout for the Bears is a guy by the name of Jeff Shiver. Mm-hmm. Jeff lives in West Lafayette. He's like the freaking mayor of West Lafayette, you know, where Purdue is. And uh, and he's the guy who came up with the Perdone. Um That's cool. <laughs> Perdone. I got I got friends who have gone to Purdue. I'm gonna use that on them. <laughs> uh. anyway, they, I mean they got a they got a defensive lineman, the junior, probably I don't know if he was redshirted, but he's probably coming out. And he's going to be a high pick, you know, first, second round pick, probably first round pick, defensive end, and he can rush the passer. He's a, you, you got to double him. If, if you get him one-on-one, he's going to beat you. I thought they did a pretty good job. The, the weak part of Notre Dame's team is they got a very inexperienced offensive line, 
and they're playing with their third left tackle. The mm-hmm. starter, the original starter was a true freshman who's the real deal. I mean, this guy is going to probably be another Notre Dame first round offensive lineman. He's got great size. I, I mean, as an 18 year old, unbelievable size, strength, quick feet. He's 330, but he moves around like he's 290, you know, dancing bear type guy. But he got hurt, hurt his knee. You know, he had a brace on. His leg was still stiff. He was on crutches. Supposed to be out, it said, five to eight weeks. You know, just looking from what I saw during the pregame when I was down on the field, that looks closer to eight to me. than. But, I, you know, I don't know what kind of brace he's got on. Maybe the brace, you know, they're not allowing him to bend his knee. Um, but I think he had an MCL strain. And those are, you know, five, six, seven-week injuries. Mm-hmm. Um but all told, you know, the rest of the, there's only one guy with experience on that line, and that's the center. All the other guys are new starters, and they just haven't come together. And the, and the group as a whole isn't as talented as what they had. You know, the four guys they lost are all playing in the NFL. One guy's on the practice squad, the other three are on the 53. Mm. You know, so that it's hard to do that and replace that many guys in college. Yeah. Now I I want your thoughts on uh, on the polls. The the Notre Dame has them. Uh, the coaches poll has them at ten. AP has them at twelve. But overall, what, what's your opinion about the polls? <laughs> I think polls this early in the year are useless, and the same with the, the preseason polls. You mm-hmm. know, because you, you see this stuff. You know, after the the first week of games, oh, so and so upset, so and so. How's it an upset? Nobody knew what that team was going to be. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a huge turnover. There's a 20, 25% turnover on every college team. And you're losing a lot of good football players to the NFL and yeah. good college players that are just going on to the next thing. They might not be pro players, but they're, they're good, solid college players. And, and especially when you lose leadership, if you had a real strong class that was real strong in the leadership area and you, and you're, upcoming you know your junior class from the year before isn't as strong with that that can kill a team because they just don't have those people like last year at notre dame their senior leadership was outstanding yeah i i can't tell you what it's like you know this year i don't i haven't been around them enough to know that you know they got a quarterback that was at wisconsin uh he transferred because he got hurt last year he's supposed to be the starter got hurt in preseason so they started a, a freshman. Freshman played pretty good. So basically, they handed that guy the job in the spring, and and Cohen said, "Well, screw this. I'll gradu- I'm going to graduate anyway. I'll transfer." Cohen is a if, if you give him time, he'll kill you. But he he's got no mobility. He can't extend plays with his feet. And so you got to have an offensive line protect him. And, and that's like the weak point of the Notre Dame team right now is they don't have a strong offensive line. Now they get better as they play together longer. It's like, you know, it's like the Bears. You got a bunch of new guys in there. They haven't played together yet. And what's your overall opinion on the head coach of uh, Notre Dame? I, uh, Brian Kelly, I think Brian Kelly's a hell of a coach. I mean, I, they're at a, a disadvantage to say Ohio State, Clemson, and Alabama when it comes to recruiting, because there's kids that those three schools get that couldn't get into Notre Dame ever. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these guys are, you know, top 
talented guys, but they don't have the they don't have the marks. They don't have the uh, SAT or ACT scores. Um, you know, they want to play football, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, but and they want to go to college and major in football. And if you talk to some of these kids that that, and I've had these, I mean, we could do a whole show on this. Some of the conversations I've had, especially when I was in the XFL with, you know, some of the players and some of the guys that I was working with talking about, and I work with one guy who played at Alabama. Okay. And we had a, a defensive lineman who played at LSU and was a highly touted defensive lineman from LSU. And mm-hmm. the stories they would come up with about not going to class, you know, and what, and you know, what they had to do, you know, he, I know guys got a master's degree and some bitch never went to class. Boy, <laughs> <laughs> right. I wish I could get a master's degree. I know. I mean, come on now. So, but that's not, that's not going to happen at an Notre Dame. That's right. You know, that's- so, they and and the fans like oh you know Brian Kelly can't win a national championship. Well, if he could get the horses that that Alabama and Ohio State and Clemson get, yeah, he'd win one. But he he's he's never going to get those kids because they're not going to get into Notre Dame. He's got to yeah. be lucky. He's got to get a top kid who is also great in school. <laughs> and because you got to be able to compete academically when you're at a school. Same with Northwestern, Northwestern, Vanderbilt, Stanford. Stanford, you, yeah. you, you got to compete in the classroom too. Yeah, and I really appreciate those programs for holding those high academic restrict uh, restrictions on players. I wish every university was held to 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 that to those same. Uh, uh, level of uh, of restrictions, but that's not the case. And 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 that's well, you know, hard. although in, in basketball, Duke sold their soul to the devil. Yeah. Duke had those standards, and then they said they they made a conscious decision that in order for us to continue competing in basketball for mm-hmm. national championships, we gotta do this one and done thing, and bring in and bring in these kids that we know are only going to be here basically one semester because they're not going to class the second semester and then they're going to go, you know, into the NBA mm-hmm. and they're, they're taking kids, but it's one sport and it's 14 guys, you know, not 85 guys. Exactly. Exactly. All right. A couple more questions. Uh, tonight it's the lions and the Packers I am uh, a fan of the NFC North division. I love watching uh, all the games involving the Vikings, Packers, and Lions. They, some of them can be really boring. But I want to know uh, as much as possible about the three teams that the Bears have to play twice each. What are your thoughts about tonight's game? What should I be looking for? Uh, any expectations for this game? Just want to get a couple of general thoughts from this you. Game, about this game is in Green Bay, right? Uh, Green Bay. Yes, yeah, Green Bay was on the road last week, so they're mm-hmm. going to be home. I, If Green Bay doesn't bounce back, I'd be really shocked because if they don't, there's, there's something going on there that nobody's hit on yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, don't, I don't think, you know, Detroit did nothing for me in the, in the opening week. Um, golf is not going to have 
the supporting cast and doesn't have the supporting cast that he had with the Rams. Um, I think he's a guy that doesn't like to get hit. And, you know, I thought that when he was in college at Cal, you know, uh, so I, I think Green Bay is going to come back, especially after the way they played last week and win big. But because I'm from here, or even though I'm transplanted from here, I've been here 20 years, I'd still like to see them fall flat on their face. I just don't think it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I would be so shocked if the Packers lay an egg tonight against Detroit. But I do, I, and I do expect the game to be close at least for two two or three quarters. But by the end, the Packers should win this game by 10-plus points. Um, and then finally, your thought about next week's upcoming game against the Cleveland Browns. It's a really a good team. And as you said early in the show, they play really well. Uh, uh, playing in Cleveland is tough for opponents, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, the crowd is very boisterous, very loud. They're enthusiastic. They make it tough on visitors. Uh, it, it's it's going to be a hard game. You win that game, you, you earned it. And, you know, it didn't used to be that way with Cleveland, but they, you know, Stefanski's done a, a, a good job. Uh, I don't see Baker Mayfield as a all pro type, but he's a pretty darn good player. Uh, and, and, and they've got a strong run game. Now they're, they're, they're banged up at the wide receiver department. Mm-hmm. And you want to hope they stay that way because that can help the Bears a little bit going into next week. Yeah, Jarvis Landry suffered an injury yesterday. Odell Beckham has yet to play this season. He hasn't played, and it's probably 50-50 that he, you know, does play. Yeah. Are, are you um, Baker Mayfield? I, I say the name Baker Mayfield, and what do you say? Um, I, I, I think he keeps improving. I, and I, if I was him, I would have tried to get a deal done already. Because, you know, he's he doesn't deserve like a Josh Allen deal or uh, a Dak Prescott deal. I don't think he's in that same category. Um, he's good. You know, he's he's like a, a better Andy Dalton than you win with him because he's a part of the, a, you know, part of the parts. Right. You don't win because of him. Okay. That's a great way to put it. At least he hasn't he hasn't shown that he can be a Tom Brady. And I almost hate to say Aaron Rodgers because they haven't really won with Aaron Rodgers, but they won a lot of regular season games because of Aaron Rodgers. Right. So right. No, they get into the playoffs, they shit the bed a lot. During the regular season, they are tough. Yeah. (laughs) All right, Greg, another great episode of Greg Grabiel Talks Football. You are the man. And and there's a a lot of people disagreeing with you, but it's most of it is – it's just, you know, a, a difference of opinion. And so uh, it is what it is. I'm going to let you go. I'm going to uh, promote a couple of things that we've got going on. And I know how valuable your time is. So I will let you go. Uh, say goodbye to all your fans. See ya. <laughs> next, next week, another, another win. We're going to win this one.
Oh, and by the way, uh, thank you yeah. for bringing up next week because we're going to be on Tuesday next week because I'm going to be making that drive on Monday from uh, 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 the Cleveland to Chicago, and I won't be back in Why, time. Just out of curiosity, why aren't you coming back Sunday night? Because <laughs> have, you seen, have you seen the way I drink? <laughs> no? I, okay. <laughs> you know what? Although you, it, it's still <laughs> from from – Downtown Cleveland to your house should be max six hours, mm -hmm. probably five and a half. Yeah, uh, well, I've done that. I've done that drive so many times. Yeah, and, 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 and I got to go, you know, 20, 25 miles further north than you. So yeah, and, and trust me, it's not at all because I'm going to drink during the game, which I I might not even do that, but it is because I've got a commitment in Cleveland that night uh, to do okay. a, a show, and so uh, that's why. But. Uh, uh, we will, uh, Greg, uh, Gabriel Talks Football will be on Tuesday next week, and we'll uh, do it, uh, if you don't mind, Greg, we'll do it at 11 o'clock, get it done uh, first thing in the morning or, or, or sometime in the morning. As of right now, that sounds pretty good. I was at that stadium for the opener. Really? Yeah. So, it was that, I mean, a preseason game. It was a preseason game. Right. Uh, excellent. Yeah. So uh, I'm in for a good time, right? That's a great stadium. Oh, you haven't been there? No, no never. It's, it's from my, my younger brother's uh, – Season ticket holder. Ah, cool. He's, I don't know if he's got. <clears throat> excuse me. He he splits the tickets mm -hmm. with another guy, so mm -hmm. I don't know if he's got this game. I haven't talked to him in about a week or so, but um, yeah, he's he's for years he he's been sharing season tickets. Outstanding. Well, I'm looking forward to talking to you uh, next week and sharing my experiences there as, as a fan. But most of all, I'm I'm looking forward to your evaluation of the game. And so we'll do that next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Central. And if the time changes, we'll let people know via our social media accounts, which are up there on the screen. Thanks again, uh, Greg. Uh, stick with us. I've got a couple of things to talk about. I'm, I'm talking to our viewers. Uh, a couple of things to talk about uh, upcoming shows. Take care, Greg. Thanks. All right. I just want to let you know that um, tomorrow we've got two uh, Bears shows uh, going on, and that is the Bear Debate with John Buffon and Tyler Ellis. We record that actually uh, late in the afternoon, early evening, and the audio version of that is out Tuesday, uh, but the video version is out on Wednesday morning. So that's the Bear Debate. We've got two shows in. It's a lively uh, uh, a verbal altercation between John Buffon and Tyler Ellis, two passionate Chicago Bears fans. So if you haven't seen the show yet, uh, make sure you check it out. Uh, the, the video version is is outstanding, but the audio version is equally as good. Then uh, Dan and I will be talking about this Bears game uh, from past this past Sunday and also looking forward to the Cleveland game. And, and if you don't know about that show, <laughs> Dan Aguirre and myself, we act like children. <laughs> we have uh, a lot of uh, uh, potty jokes and adult humor. Uh, and we have some fun, uh, but we also uh, talk some serious football. It's a three-hour show, and that's on live Tuesday nights at 7.30. Are you a baseball fan? Well, if you're a baseball fan, tonight is the night for you here at the bar room at 7 p.m. It's the friendly confines. Ryan Lieber and, and Chad Gordon talk Chicago Cubs for a good 30 minutes, 45 minutes, and then that's followed by South Burbs Hitmen. 
the four-man crew there uh, will be welcoming Salim Sudarwala, who is uh, the host of Bulls Gold, which you can get on our audio podcast. But he's also a huge, huge White Sox fan, and he's going to talk about his experiences uh, throughout this season and his life uh, with the White Sox. So that should be really interesting. Those guys, South Burst Hit. South Burbs Hitman just do a great job. White Sox fans who are learning more and more about the show are really praising the job that they're doing. So that's our programming over the next 48 hours. We've got tons more stuff later in the week. So just uh, the best way to uh, stay on top of things is to subscribe to the Barroom Network, both on our audio podcast and here on our YouTube channel. I want to thank everybody who turned out tonight. We had like a huge numbers for an afternoon show here on the Barroom Network. I'm, I apologize that I couldn't get to some of the comments that I thought were really good, but uh, 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 but I appreciate all of the uh, good comments for Greg because he is uh, uh, really outstanding. We're very, very lucky to have him here on the Barroom Network. He could be doing this show plenty of other places, but he chose us. And so for that, we are indebted to him. All right, that's it for this episode of Greg Gabriel Talks Football. We'll see you soon.